keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Hello, welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Bad Batch edition. I am Michael, your host, and I'm swimming in the Back to Waters with the co-host, David. Hello. It's a very tight fit in your Back to Tank, Mike. Yeah, well, I'm also wearing a Speedo, so look (laughs) out. (laughs) All right, Dave, so today we're going to be talking about episode two titled Cut and Run. Written by Stuart Lee and directed by Gersharan Sanhu. The Bad Batch and Omega arrive on Salakami to meet with a clone deserter. <laughs> well, Mike, you wanted those political elements still in play, and they're still in play in this episode. Yeah. You, listen, you're dealing with the aftermath of Revenge of the Sith, the fall of the Republic. There was so much politics involved in the toppling of this grand republic. And if a spinoff series of essentially Revenge of the Sith and Clone Wars isn't political in some way, then you're doing it all wrong. And you probably shouldn't be writing. Yes. So we need these types of elements. Oh, you do. I mean, it was it was a chilling moment for me. But seeing the one scene for me in this episode that basically touched on those elements that me and you were talking about that alluded to in the premiere about like making it more relatable to the real world and, you know, politics and stuff like that. The scene with the, the hologram of vice Admiral Rampart. Yeah. Talking and saying that, Oh, Hey, if you turn in your credits, we are one empire. And I was like going, Oh my God, this is like, this is like the elements you see in Europe with their with their whole euro changing to the euro and going under one one currency because they want to be one one unified front. And I was like going, holy crap, they're really doubling down on like the whole elements that mean you were like really suspicious if they would really go down this this path of like, you know, even talking about like chain codes. And, you know, everyone being monitored and essentially tracked by the government. I was like, okay, I remember that chain codes were brought up in the Mandalorian and that's how they, the Mando, the Mando tracks his people. But now we actually see what 
cheat codes were supposed to be used for. Yeah, yeah, Dave, but that... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. This might be the worst thing since Obi-Wan forgetting... <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> Obi-Wan saying he doesn't remember owning any droid. <laughs> Dude, the chain code thing. First off, I want to thank Filoni and his team for actually explaining something to us. Yes. Because Favaro, in all of his, you know, his drunk stupor as he's writing <laughs> Mandalorian. That's the one thing from Mando bothered you. I remember that. I'm like, what the fuck is chain code, dude? How do you not explain it? Well, it's a form of identity. Where did it come from? We've... It doesn't exist in the sequel trilogy. So obviously chain code just dies off. So we never seen it in Return of the Jedi or Empire or, or New Hope or Rogue One or Solo. So when did it appear? When did it leave us? Because it wasn't in the sequels. It's a mess. And it's because Favreau doesn't give a fuck. Look, and then leave it to Filoni to go, you know, what? hold my beer. I'm going to fix this. <laughs> I'm gonna fix- exactly, David. And I, not only is he going to fix it. He's going to make it relevant. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say, because not only does he explain something, because any mook can see that this needs to be explained because chain code has never been a thing. Please explain it and how it originated. And they did just that. And you're right about the relevant part, because not only did they explain chain code, but they also use it in a way to parallel World War II and, of course, the conspiracies of the United States government registering all of us. Registering everybody. (laughs) So there's a lot of things going on in this episode, and it made me roll my eyes just a bit when I was reading other critics talk about this episode as being filler and that we're only on episode two and they're already taking a breather. What are you talking about taking a breather? This entire episode is drenched in relevancy and cleverness and smarts. There's so much going on. Sure, the superficial overt plot is, yeah, simple. They go to a planet. They meet a deserter. Omega decides to get herself in trouble. She then returns with the Bad Batch, and they go off to the stars. Yeah, very simple. Very simple. Very simple. But if you actually pay attention to what's not being said and some of which is being stated. Yes. The details, the subtext, there is so much going on in here. I mean, especially in the way of chain code and painting this, this picture of the empire and showing them for what they really are. There's a lot of glamorizing of the empire within the fandoms. And I get it. Yeah. We all like the bad guys at times, but I feel like because of that, many times we stray away from the atrocities. Yes. Like, for example, we never fully explored Kylo Ren's genocide on the planet that um, was introduced in Resistance. They just said it, that he wiped out entire civilization. And there's many times we allude to things, but we don't really quite say this is what the Empire has done. It ravages planets for resources like a true authoritarian empire would. So I like that they're not trying to make us all wear rose color glasses and yeah. simply introduce us to a new cool villain. And then we forget about the relevance of this villain because he's so cool. Yes. Instead, they use 
Crosshair is the villain. They use the Empire as the villain, and they're not painting it with bright, fuzzy, feel-good colors. No. And I like that. The interesting to me, dude, was like I had a really interesting dialogue back and forth between someone because they were discussing of how the thing that bothered them was they couldn't understand why the chain code thing made the empire evil. And I, I looked at him and I said, and I, I looked at this as it's not about making him look evil, yeah. but it's, it's about the context. It's about basically, look, this is how they're going to keep track of everybody. Is that something that you would want? The, and I, I looked at it. Is that something that you would like the government to do to you or heck a big corporation? Let's how old is this young, sir? They're like uh, 18. The reason why we look at it as they're registering people because we are the last of our generation that respects our own privacy. Privacy. Yeah. And the thing is, is nowadays everyone willingly stamps a number on their wrist by way of social media and that digital footprint Mm -hmm. and the fact that we take selfies and we talk about where, what we're doing. And because of that, the younger generation, this was actually a whole um, article in a philosophy magazine I read about the idea of privacy and how the younger generation has no true concept of privacy. Of privacy, yeah. That they willingly give up their freedoms of privacy when no one asked for it. And that was why that comment, again, by Echo, or was it Tech Tech, was so powerful when he said, now people are lining up. To get numbered. (laughs) To get numbered. Yeah. Because no one really knows or thinks of the consequences of the things that we do. So sure, registering people isn't a bad thing. It isn't necessarily nefarious. I mean, we all have a number in this country, Dave. It's called a social security security number. number. We all have one. It's what you do with that. And the fact that the empire started this, the moment they took power, that makes it automatically nefarious Nefarious. because they want to track and own everything and everyone and know what you're doing so in the way of writing this episode did not just that those were awesome moments but they did uh, additional things for our main former clone troopers as well the stormtrooper transition you know seeing troopers and we talked about this a bit on the last episode but we saw it more in this one seeing troopers become more subdued it's eerie it's really because we're creepy. used to watching Clone Wars and that voice. We're used to hearing them have personality, egos, bravados, camaraderie. And now it's just muted down to stormtrooper status. Their movements are even like stormtroopers. Stormtroopers, and it's yeah. Awesome. It is genius and brilliant. No, it's brilliant. That's a better word. It's brilliant that we're seeing this transition because this is something a lot of Star Wars fans have questioned. When did this happen? When did the actual transition between clone trooper to, you know, conscripted stormtroopers become a thing? And to see them slowly transition via programming is dark. Oh, it It is. is dark that their personalities are being completely subdued. And then we have the contrast of the Bad Batch and how they still have their identities. Yeah, their individuality. Their individuality. And this is where the story is going, David. We had talked about it in our last episode that we hope this is the direction. This is what they need to do. Talk about individuality. 
identity and what it means to simply become a number or to become just a part of the masses and comply because so-and-so says to do so or hey we are all we are all of one mind which is a problem in today's society Mm -hmm. many of us we used to you know what we've done is we've put ourselves in this giant fishbowl and we tend to fish in the bowls with people who think a lot like ourselves. We yeah. don't ever try to explore other fishbowls. We can't jump out of them. Because it's too scary. So to have a story like this talking about what it really means about freedom and identity. There's so much they can do with this. The oh, potential yeah. for really good storytelling is there. The one, the one thing too is kind of like the the one scene from the last episode that taking this episode into its context and then paralleling it with what happened the first one with crosshairs where they basically overrid him they 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 took the programming and ramped it up yeah it really put it into perspective how they the 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 troopers at this point are not the troopers that we know from Clone Wars. They're all, they've all been in, in, in some weird way, they've been subjugated and they basically been turned into slaves. Some weird way, Dave, they've been controlled by a chip. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. Yes. And like, no, you're right, Dave, but it's, man, I, it's creepy. It's honestly really creepy. It's unsettling just because we love the clones. Yeah. You know, and to see them, just be subdued and not act like themselves. But what does that, what does that mean for the bad batch? And that's what it comes down to. We have all this awesomeness, but we need to see them struggle. We need to see them truly fight because that's, what's going to end up happening. I think they're going to move from being soldiers. We do what we're told. We rally behind who our boss is behind that flag it was the Republic. And rather than continuing down that track, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see people who mature past that because they want to resist programming. Yeah. If that bothers them. They mentioned it specifically again in this episode when Hunter said, wait a second, we're, we're being programmed with a chip. So it's a big deal to them and they need to explore this because for all they know, they could have been programmed the entire time. What does it mean to them? It needs to be a story that parallels similar stories like, you know, losing one's faith, you know, yes. where you feel this sense of loss and dread because you don't know what's over that horizon any longer. These are a group of people who have no purpose. And they said yes. that in this yeah. episode, they even connected the idea of purpose when cut. Is that the name of the yeah, it's cut when cut had mentioned Uh, Omega and he asked what she does and Hunter was like what do you mean she's a child she doesn't do anything and he says the the Kaminoans don't create things that don't have a purpose we all have a purpose you have a purpose tech has a purpose so what's her purpose that's a good question that's a good that that is an excellent question because it goes right back to our discussion during our last episode about what she is and what she was designed to do. Yeah. That's going to be the big, that's the myth arc, Dave. I don't think we're going to find this out. I feel like we're going to have breadcrumbs throughout most of the season. I think so too. I think that basically that 
Omega's story is going to be the the thorough line. It's going to be the main story arc of the entire season. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, the, everything else with the the clone oh, with the uh the the bad batch, that's going to be going around the mystery of Omega. She's the foundation. She's the foundation. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure during our last episode, but this episode definitely it points in that direction. It, yeah. it really does. Yeah. Because like when you take a look at the idea, the ideas that they were trying to pose in this episode, how, you know, cut makes the, uh, makes the decision that he's not just a soldier. He's doing this for the children. He's doing this for those kids of, uh, of cuts wife, Sue. And, you know, telling Hunter that basically the importance of Omega as a child might give, might help Hunter find his purpose again, because just like what you said, I mean, the, the bad batch at this point, each individual is at a loss of what their purpose is because they, they essentially gave up their life that being a, being part of the clone war army was their livelihood. Oh, they didn't have a life. And their life was literally to work for the Republic, to to work for the Republic. Now they've given that up. What do they do? Yeah. Well, and that's why having Omega in there mixes things up and allows for certain questions to be posed and different scenarios to go down that otherwise wouldn't be possible because I like how they're bouncing back and forth when it comes to perspective this episode was predominantly from Omega's perspective, and I, I think that's a good call. It keeps the series tone a bit more optimistic opposed to the doom and gloom tone. If yeah. It were predominantly from Hunter's perspective, because if we were constantly in his perspective or Tech's perspective, <laughs> I think it'd be really we bad. would have a very different tone. It yeah. wouldn't feel sincere to what they're going through if we tried to give it an optimistic twist. And the story was written from their perspective. So having it written from Omega's perspective, it works. The writing team so far are making great calls. The girl was a good addition. Uh, she's she being was used as, yeah. you know, as a narrative device. She's has a purpose. She's not just there to sell tickets to kids, you know, and including a character like this is star Wars one-on-one, no matter how dark a thing may get. We always have that character that represents that beacon of hope. Yes. We talked about the hook or the gimmick used during our last episode. Omega might end up so much more than anyone had originally thought. But the more pieces we are given, the more it seems like this season, as you were saying, is built all around Omega. Omega. And she is she's, the myth arc. She's the myth. That's the, that's the term I was looking for. It was myth arc. And not just the things we just mentioned, but based on allusions to Omega being something. That's a big deal. She's something. And with these mystery elements, they can't go back now, Dave. They just blew it up. The writers yeah. just blew this up on the internet because there is no putting this genie back in the bottle. If you don't deliver some major reveal now, there's going to be some Star Wars fans screaming foul ball. And I'm not talking about the typical Marvel like, hey, we had ridiculous theories that made no sense, but we thought that's what we was going. And now we're mad. This is different because they're actually alluding 
to her being something important. And if that's the, the mystery of the series, then it has to be a big reveal. Did you, th- did you, uh, at one point in the episode, did you think at any time they were going to show that maybe, maybe Omega was force sensitive? I think she's Anakin cloned because like, uh, but just gender swapped. I, like I they cut s- his penis off. <laughs> I swear to God, dude, when they, when the creature basically attacks her, I, ex- I, I was like slightly expecting this is the moment that we're going to find out. Omega has force. It would abilities. be too fast. It would have been, been so too fast. Yeah. It would have been bad too. It, Cause it's so contrived. It's it, it would have, it yeah. would have felt contrived. See, but- that's how, that's how jaded you are with, with bad writing. Yeah, exactly. The fact that you're waiting for something bad I'm to waiting happen. Waiting for it. Like, oh, and I was like, going, this is the moment. This is the moment. D- don't do it. Don't do it. Don't make your force. Don't so try. Don't. And at the, uh, by the end of the episode, I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond hope that they don't make her force sensitive. Because I'm, I'm a torn a bit, Dave, on that. I am. <laughs> How do you make her special, though? What's so special about her? Okay, so I feel like they can make it work in some way. If she is force sensitive. It and- also goes right back to the ability of cloning the force or cloning vessels that can that has the force yes now i don't want to start wild theories dave but <laughs> the kaminoans said let's hold off on telling the empire anything until after their intentions are clear yes. so they're looking out for their own best interest mm-hmm. and if that best interest means they're going to help create the technology that gives palpatine more bodies it would make sense yeah. And and here's here's the thing too, the idea of clones. I know that there's a lot of Star Wars fans out there. Um, more clones. Why does it have to be clones? I'm sorry. That's a Star Wars thing. It's been it's a Star Wars been thing a Star since Wars the thing. very first movie when since he the mentions very first the movie. Clone Wars. Exactly. The the idea of clones is Star Wars whether you like it or not. So And also lots of B films in the 60s. Exactly. And like I'm at at this point, you know, hey, we thought we were going to get like Grogu to be the clone of Yoda, which in hindsight, I'm like thinking, man, that would have been stupid, horrible. But the only thing <laughs> is the reason why mine goes, my mind goes to clones, because how many more secret characters can we stash away that conveniently disappear right around New Hope and then reappear shortly after Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Exactly. I know the galaxy is huge. I know. So you have to be careful so that when they are not present in, let's say, the Rebel and Galactic Empire War during that time period, then it would make sense. So as long as you do it in a way that makes sense, that's fine. But if you like, okay, and now they're gone. <laughs> now they're gone. There's only so many times you can do that. There's only so many times you can throw that Hail Mary writing decision like they did with Ezra and Thrawn. Although you, you can't do that again. Ezra and Thrawn worked. Yes. You can't do that again. I was about to again. bring that up. I was going to bring that up. It was like, now this is Dave Filoni we're talking about and his crew. They're infamous for this. <laughs> They're infamous for Omega taking characters. Is going to be connected to Ray. Do you think? I mean, it would make sense. 
I'm just calling out a ridiculous theory. That's a ridiculous not gonna, theory. That's not going to happen. What? Tinfoil hat on. When you mentioned, because you mentioned to this to me off air, and I actually was going to laugh, but that tinfoil hat slipped on my head. I'm going, wait a minute. <laughs> this this kind of makes sense. Let's see. Rise of Skywalker. We know that. David, are you really going down this path? We know that Ray. What did Palpatine want Ray for? The whole reason why he he made he he made a big deal about Ray was because Ray was his granddaughter. Somehow we don't know how. Who the hell would make make love to the Emperor? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, we know by the book that it was a clone. So yes. He, yeah. So all right, Dave. We do need to get to the end of our discussion today. So no more theories, Dave. No more theories. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, we did get a mentioning of Rex. Yes. Which. Strengthens my idea that we're going to get some cameos throughout the 16 episode series. Because as I said, this time period is ripe for awesome cameos and cameos that make sense. Exactly. Would make sense. Ahsoka would make sense. Rex more though, because especially since they tied in the fact that cut told them that he was looking, Rex was looking into the chips, the implants because you got to remember at the end of Clone Wars, that was the one thing that absolutely destroyed Rex was the fact that he realized that all of his brothers were programmed. They, they were basically brainwashed. Yeah. And that whole, it, when I thought about it, that is actually the best story arc you can do for Rex. Because one of the things that I remember me and you talking uh, when we reviewed the end of Clone Wars, we're like going, where's Rex's story go at this point? We know he has to go get Gregor and Wolf, but that's it. Well, and if then, you remember, we had said that, okay, so essentially the story they're, that they're doing with Bad Batch, Dave, is the story that we pitched during our discussion on the final season of Clone Wars. Yes. When we brought up Rex and his other compadres that we know survived we're like okay well this would be an amazing story if they were to do something with rex basically you have a character that questions his existence i'm almost positive we we mentioned that oh no and now here we have bad batch doing just that Mm -hmm. so rex would fit into this we do need to be a little careful because the show is called the bad batch so we can't include a bunch of side characters especially since we're dealing with five characters already I'd, I'd rather keep it light and uh, and maintain the quality of writing. Mm, my true. own opinion. True. All right, Dave, final thoughts. Go ahead. Final thoughts and of this score. episode. I thought that this episode was, again, a continuation. Really strong second episode. I like the elements they threw in there. I did have those moments, like I said earlier, where it was kind of like, uh, I'm a little worried about this. Is she going to be force sensitive? Is she going to lift the monster off the ground? Thankfully it didn't go that way, but I got those little, little, you know, hesitations at that point. So my, my final grade for the episode is a 88. It's, it's a good episode. I really liked it, especially like in the very end, kind of bringing it all together and, kind of showing that Hunter's new purpose might be through Omega where he sees Omega as his chance to step away from being a soldier, which I think is, it it leads to good storytelling. So overall 88, I thought it's a really good episode. I'm really psyched to see where they go. 
the exciting elements that I put out here that just I'm anxious to see is the Rex element. Solely Rex. I actually wrote it in my notes in big, big three letters, R-E-X, Rex. The fact that, that he was uh, mentioned by Cut and Cut said, oh, yeah, he passed through here. He's looking into something about, like, memory, uh, the the implants in their brains. And I'm, like, going, that's cool. I like that. Well, maybe he's going to try to liberate people. That's what I think. Because oh, we, man, that's a good story. That's a good story because, like, it, it, it goes back to, like, my, my stance in Rebels is, like, how did Rex, Gregor, and Wolf end up on the planet? Yes, it's Jupa. But how did they end up on that planet? <laughs> because, like, they were free of Order 66 at that point. What did Rex do? Yeah. Well, we'll find out, Dave. So you gave it an 88%, right? 88. Okay, well, I'm going to give this an 86%. It was a solid episode. Another great addition to the world of Star Wars. And I have not been disappointed. And it doesn't look like I will be. Omega is interesting. The Bad Batch is interesting. The scenarios that are now in place are interesting. And it's pretty cool how much we have done already in just two episodes. Two episodes, Dave. In just two episodes, there's more story than all of seasons one and two of The Mandalorian. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. But also, before you go, before you push stop, make sure you visit us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month. And with that pledge, with that subscription, you will gain access to additional Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from comic book reviews, book reviews, additional discussions on recent news and updates pertaining to the world of Star Wars, you name it, we do it. Patreon.com slash Rainman Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you, and may the Force be with us. Ah, yes! (laughs) 